Okay, welcome back to the Foul Balls NHL podcast. I'm here with John Borelli for Tuesday Night NHL. There are a lot of probably pretty chalky spots tonight. A lot of good teams going against bad teams. So we're going to have to try to narrow this down because I think we could probably both list several lines that we're fairly interested in. So to start it off, one of what probably will be the higher owned spots on the slate, the Penguins are taking on the Sabres at home. Pittsburgh has not been particularly good this year, but especially the Crosby line and Crosby himself over recent games, he's in a pretty sizable drought. And the Malkin line has produced a lot better than the Crosby line. So figuring out ownership here, it probably is tough. And the Penguins have now spread out their good players across three lines. So I'm interested in them as a team overall, but it's kind of hard to find a direction here. Yeah, on an eight-game slate, um, and, and with all the line movement, we got Crosby, Rustin, is nestled together tonight, and, and Crosby hasn't scored, I want to say, in at least eight, maybe ten games. So um, I, I do feel he's due for a goal, um, you know, but it's so hard to – you want exposure to this power play, and, and especially against Buffalo, but it's it's so hard to get with them spread out. If if you do want to try and take a shot at, at, at the Crosby line, one, at, at probably – lower ownership than you would get on, on most any other Pittsburgh Penguin eight-game slate, I, I, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, but again, it, it, it'll be hard to kind of navigate through the team and kind of who, who's, which line out, uh, produces the most. So I don't think I'll probably be using any of the lines together much. I think Crosby as a one-off in other stacks makes sense, but I'm just I'm not as high probably on the Penguins overall for tonight as most people are. There's actually a bit of sharp action on the under in this game. The total opened at six and now it's only five and a half and the Penguins at minus two thirty. that line is kind of just holding steady, even with the public very heavy on the Penguins side. So it's not like we're looking at potentially a four or five goal night here. That's not what the Vegas line is telling us. If anything, this should be a lower scoring game where Matt Murray is the star of the team rather than it being any offensive player. So Crosby, yeah, you can probably get as someone as good as him, is worth playing on any night, and it's a home game against a not very good Sabres team. So I think I'm more inclined to just play him. He'll probably be lower owned than Malkin by a decent amount, and then fade the rest of the team, just because even if even if you do guess right that the Penguins are going to do well offensively, you still have to guess which players will do well, and I don't think it makes sense to just throw a bunch of lines together, a bunch of lineups together that use each of the top three lines. So I think it's just too it's too spread out, and I think I'm probably off the game for the most part as a result. Yeah, it, it is it is spread out, but at the same time, you you do get that Crosby because Crosby is with Vanessa and Rust. You you get you get that you get Crosby's full line at such a, a low price than you would normally, whether it's Warbrist, whether it's Sherry, whether whoever's playing with him. So it, you you can you know have Crosby with some other top tier lines as opposed to normally not really being able to have him paired with uh, someone with uh, another line with high upside. So I definitely agree with that. If I'm playing a line from Pittsburgh, it's definitely that top line because I think they're cheaper than either. They're definitely cheaper than the second line and they're only slightly more expensive than the third line with Rust and Gensel. I think those are generally lower owned players. So yeah, that does make sense. I'm, I would consider the top line, but I think I'll, I'll rule out the second and third lines for now. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. And then on the other side, uh, you have Reinhardt playing with Michael and Kane, which well, he played with Reinhardt for most of the year last year, and 
and they did really well together. So that's a, that's a top tier line when when you had Kane with that at the same time. Uh, I won't have a, a ton of exposure. Yeah, and I think that that's probably pretty contrarian too. With I think a lot of people will be on Matt Murray tonight. So I think I'll fade Murray for what should be the highest owned goalie spot. And then if you want to go against that twice as hard, I guess, then you go with the Eichel line. A lot of talent there, obviously. And Pittsburgh hasn't been that good defensively. So I think I'll probably like some other spots more because it is pricey, but there's definitely some upside as a contrarian pick with the Eichel line. I agree. So moving on to the next game, we have the Canadians against the Blue Jackets. I think Carey Price has already been ruled out. Yeah, so Carey Price has already been ruled out. Lindgren's in. And the Vegas information, I think it's going to make the Canadians a contrarian spot. Definitely one of the lower-owned spots on the slate. The public is pretty heavy on Columbus. Montreal, the Lions at Pickham, I think they opened at minus 115. It's dropped a bit with Carey Price not playing. The total's kind of going down a little bit. This is probably a game that most people just overlook. So it could be fairly contrarian to go either side of the game, actually. But I just I don't see a lot of output here. Um, but if I had to pick, it probably would be Montreal. Just I think they're a very underrated team. We haven't really seen their offense get going too much yet. There have been a couple big games, but... Overall, this is probably a, just a better team than people think they are. Yeah, they've definitely bounced back a little bit, and the Pacioretty line has been doing really well as a whole. Uh, I know he had like a five or six game point streak that just came to an end, but um, you know, as a whole, he, he takes a lot of shots, and, and both him and Sean are played one. So, if I were to take anyone from Montreal or this game in general, it would probably be Montreal one. Um, and with Sean and Dunlap uh, only at three point seven k and four point six k. You're kind of getting that similar to Crosby, that full line where you can pair the Pax Ready line with someone, with someone, whether it's Florida 1, Dallas 1, someone, or, or even Connor McDavid. Yeah, it's a little annoying that Druin's not playing with the top guys because I do agree with you that the first line makes more sense. But the second line is also intriguing. So I don't know. This could be another situation where there's just the offense is spread too far on one team and I don't end up using them as a result. But I think. Line one is definitely in play. Line two might also be in play. I think Columbus is probably a fade. Their lines are also fairly spread out. And it's not like they're that cheap either. But I just, I don't really like the expected output from any one line in particular with Brandon Dubinsky on the top line. He's not really an offensive player. And then second and third lines are kind of diluted too. So it's, it's just, it's not really a good setup for that team. It's not a spot for me either. I traditionally take the Blue Jackets more at home, and I, I, I do know Dubinsky, Atkinson, and Jenner had a great year last year, and they're kind of one of my sneaky lines to play, um, maybe on like bigger slates and, and when they are at home. But it's, again, just like you said, it's just not a spot for me where you know, I like them. Okay, so a game where we definitely will have some interest. The Panthers against the Stars. This game is a total of six on the Vegas line. The Panthers' first line is always one of my favorites. They are a very top-heavy team. A lot of their scoring comes from that top line. They all play on the power play together, and Barkov, Huberto, and Dadenov are just really good. So getting Dallas on the second night of a back-to-back, it's a home game for Florida. Ben Bishop is not starting. Lettinen is going to be in net. It's just a lot of good indicators for Florida. They're favored in this game. The public isn't actually on them too heavily looking at the betting information. So with a lot of other potentially high-owned spots here, I don't think the ownership will be crazy on Florida. I'll say somewhere in the 10 to 20% range, maybe even on the low end of that. 
I'm not overly concerned that they'll be very high owned and they're one of the better offensive lines in hockey in a very good situation. So I, it could be my favorite line, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I know uh, as a whole, they, they, their output in general, they're just so consistent. You know, they, they, they will never leave you hanging with, you know, a, a goose egg or anything like that. And um, In terms of the other side, you do have uh, Radulovsky and Ben together. And, and the only thing that intrigues me on this side is they probably have a top five power play where Florida, I think, has the worst penalty kill in the league. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you do get, you know, maybe a power play goal or two and then one five-on-five goal from that from that team. And the one goal's been pretty good in, in net, too. And, but Florida's been giving up a ton of shots at the same time. So um, I don't think anyone's going to really be on Dallas 1, um, especially after the back-to-back, like you said. The only thing that intrigues me there is, is definitely the power play. And, um, and yeah. Yeah, I like Dallas 1, too. I think if I had to choose, I'd probably lean towards Florida. One, because it's cheaper. They're, I think, $2,000 on DraftKings less overall uh it's actually 2400 less so easier to make lineups with them that's probably the only reason i prefer them though because yeah there's a ton of expected output for that dallas top line it could even be slightly higher than the barkov line and dallas is really good on the power play so it's kind of hidden upside but then also looking at the defenseman prices klingberg is a lot more expensive than ekblad Um, so if you can make dallas fit with a cheap secondary line and I think we'll get to a couple that we like, then Dallas is definitely a good spot. And yeah, I think that the Dallas stack will be very low owned. Uh, maybe the individual players like Sagan and Klingberg will have some ownership, but most people are not going to be paying up for that whole power play unit together because then you can't really fit Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, uh, the Winnipeg Jets top line, which we'll get to it's not really doable to use this power play with any other expensive players. So that'll keep them low owned. And I think I like them as a contrarian pick and potentially one of the highest upside picks of the entire night. So it would be nice to be able to combine both of these teams into the same lineup, but there's just no way that fits. So I guess I'm going to lean Florida, but I I definitely want exposure to both sides of the game. Yeah, I I lean Florida as well. Um, And just like you said, more of a contrarian, especially with the back-to-back um, I won't be using too too much of them, and only because you know I like to use Klingberg with them, and then at that point you're like, okay, I really need like a second or a third line so to kind of go off. So you know if we can if we can find the the right ones to to put together a lineup with with really high upside, then then maybe that's worth a shot in, in a bigger tournament. But uh, for the most part, Florida one is much more consistent play. So the next game actually, I think may have that second line where you can pair them with Dallas, definitely with Florida. I'm almost positive they're cheap enough for that. So the the Predators were part of a pretty big blockbuster trade that moved Samuel Gerrard, Matt Duchesne, Kyle Turris. Turris was the player acquired by Nashville. So their second line now at a collective price of, just doing some quick math here, it's 12800 it's about 4200 per player. Mm-hmm. That line would fit with the Dallas line, so I'm curious what you think of those three players because there there is power play correlation there. I think the Forsberg line is going to take way more of the ownership. Um, there have been some pretty big nights against the Caps by opposing offenses this year, so on the whole, the Predators could have some ownership, but I don't think the second line will. So, do you think that that's a line that makes sense to pair with the Dallas line or any other top line? It, it's funny that you say that because when we were just talking about the Dallas game and when you were talking, I was looking at the second line and, you know, Fila's young, young son, 
up and coming goal scorer Craig Smith, uh, Calturis. Um, it, it's it's a sexy looking line, especially at that price. And you know, you can definitely see you know at least a goal from them potentially. Hopefully, has been playing really really well though, uh, and they do get uh, Niskanen back on, on on the back end. So potential double double goal output. It, it would be hard to see, but hitting value tonight for that line, I can see it for sure. Yeah, it just takes one goal, right, at those prices. Right. So if you right. if you're getting two goals from Dallas and you get one goal from Nashville second line, it's probably a good night for that combination. I'm considering them. I think I'll have some exposure there, but I think I'll be off the Nashville top line for the reasons that you just said. With Holtby playing well, uh, Niskanen back on D, the Caps aren't that bad of a defensive team, even though they've struggled this this year. Uh, they kind of just play a low event game where there just aren't a ton of shots on either side. At least that's what it's been this year so far. Um, so I'm off the Nashville top line. They're a lot more expensive than the second line. And then I'm probably off the caps too. It's a tough spot on the road for them in Nashville. So the only real consideration for me here is the Predators' second line. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I'm not on, on the caps here either. I don't think it's a spot for them. And I'm not on Nashville one as well. So uh, we, can, we can move on. Okay, and then the next game I think – Probably a full fade, too. It's uh, the Flyers against the Wild. The Philly top line has been priced up a ton. They've had some really strong games, but they're incredibly expensive now. And then Minnesota changes up their lines a lot. It's hard to really like any any one combination. Their power plays are kind of mixed. And the Flyers have been a good defensive team recently. So, I don't know, it would definitely be a contrarian spot to use a Wild stack, especially a stack of the top two lines. But I, I just don't think I'm going there. It's not that it's not like they're that priced down either. They've had a couple strong games where I think it's caused their prices to rise. Uh, Eric Stahl at 5,500. I think that's the most that he's cost all year. So I'm probably off them, and I don't think it'll be that low of an own. I don't think it'll be that low owned of a spot either. Yeah, I mean the the, the Flyers first line. I think it was uh, I don't know three or four days ago when they absolutely just torched the Blackhawks. I watched that whole game and it just. Watching the chemistry between them was was uh, was insane, um, and then this was this was against uh, Taves and Kane and, and Sharp. This was like this was that was the pairing. So just like watching them like towards some of the one of the best defensive centers in the league, and and, and one of the best kind of all around lines in the league was like eye opening for sure. Then again, the Blackhawks on the back end are horrible and have given up a ton of goals. Um, for me personally, I'm not picking on Devin Dubnik here. Um, just on the wild side, uh, Marcus Granlin has, has a very slow start, and uh, he had a great, great year last year. And, and in terms of goals, I just think, uh, and, and points in general, he's just had a really down year. So I do expect a bounce back from him at some point. Um, I'm not sure when exactly that's going to be, but I'm not on it tonight. So there's a line here in this game actually that I'm looking at now that is unbelievably cheap and actually has power play correlation. The Flyers' third line, they are. 10,100 between three guys, uh, Laterra, Konechny, and Philpola. And I think all three of those guys have been in the top six forwards on the top two lines at various points in the year. Maybe not Laterra, but Konechny and Philpola have been second-line players for some of the Flyers games. Uh, do you have interest there, or is that just there's not enough expected output? Because those are some very, very low prices for a line that plays on the power play. Yeah, I agree. Um, and now that you're bringing that up, I didn't, I didn't realize that those three were, were put together. It's definitely a strong third line on an eight-game slate uh, and going up against Dubnik uh, in a spot where they're only projected 2.5 goals. I'm not, but in the future, that, that could be a potential sneaky line to pair with some of the bigger ones. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it's not like the ownership here is going to get to a point where we won't be using them. If this line stays together, they probably won't score against Devin Dubnik. Maybe it's worth considering them and hoping them for, hoping that they get one goal. But if the Flyers are in a good matchup going forward and this line's playing together, that's yeah, that's a good point. I definitely will consider them or at least look to them for future games. Yes, most definitely. So we the next game I think is pretty interesting. I think it's probably going to be the most popular spot of the night. The Winnipeg Jets against the Arizona Coyotes. And I'm going to have some nicer things to say about the Coyotes than most people do, as always, because... I don't know. They just seem to be undervalued on every spot, on every slate. Uh, the line movement here is the first thing I'll mention, and it's it's really strong. So the total in this game opened at 6, and it's down to 5.5, but there's also juice on the under. So it's 5.5 with a minus 125 VIG on the under. So that's almost a full goal drop. That means the over-under is almost down to 5. You rarely see a hockey game where the total drops an entire goal without any injury information, and there is none for this game. Uh, the Coyotes have also moved from plus 170 or so to plus 155 or so, and that's coming very, very much against the public, as you'd expect. Most people are on Winnipeg. I think over three-quarters of the bets are on Winnipeg. So the, the, all of this points to a much lower expected output for Winnipeg than you'd initially think just looking at the players. And with that information and how good the Shifley line, the top line for the Jets has been, and how high owned they'll probably be, I just think there's no way you can consider them for this matchup. Yeah, the Jets at home, you know, traditionally with a team like Arizona coming in is, is just like a spot. Like it's almost like has been a plug and play for me over the past year or two, whatever, uh, probably just the past year. But, um, also, when dealing with Winnipeg, it's 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 you have to decide which which line you're going to go with. And you know, Patrick Wine scored five goals in his past five games, and he's really turned it on. But at the same time, you know, the first line uh, puts up a ton of goals, and they're all in the first power play as well. So um, people are going to be trying to guess which line. I'll even, I'm sure we'll even see some full team stacks here. But as as someone who takes the Jets a lot, um, seeing them at home with only a 3.15 team total. Is I it's just it's just it sticks out to me. It's definitely Vegas trying to tell you something. Um, at first, looking at the slate, it was going to be hard for me to fade Patrick Liney here. Um, so I won't have as much exposure, maybe as as I originally would have, hearing all the trends and all the line movements. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it, it's 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 hard to fade them in the spot, and I don't think a lot of people will. So I'll agree with you definitely that if I were to take a line from the Jets, it would be their second line with line A, Ehlers, and Little. So I'm I'm sticking to definitely off the first line. Second line, maybe. But it does seem like Arizona has focused on playing a more defensively responsible game recently. Uh, their last, let's say their last three games, they lost 3-1 to one to the Penguins on the road, 3-2 to two in overtime to the Caps on the road, and then 3-2 to two on the road to the Blues in a shootout. So three really high-scoring offenses that they've held in check, uh, seven goals in regulation across nine periods. And Arizona hasn't really scored much either. So if you asked me about this game two weeks ago, I probably would have said, I'm all in on the step on line as a contrarian pick. They've actually gotten a bit cheaper and... You know, the way Arizona plays, their up-and-down style, I think the first line could do really well. But 
it, it doesn't seem like Arizona is taking as many risks anymore. Uh, they're playing just a very conservative style game. So that probably has me off the step on Keller Domi line. They're probably worth considering a little bit because as far as first lines with first unit power play correlation go, they're as cheap as anyone. And Winnipeg isn't that good defensively. So you should still probably consider the step on line. I may have them a little bit, but I'll be much lighter on them than I would have been if this game were two weeks ago. And then same kind of goes for Antti Ranta because in a low event game, he's not going to face as many shots on goals. So there's there's less upside for him with a potential for a lot of saves. I do think he'll be incredibly contrarian though. So if you're betting against Winnipeg, maybe it makes sense to go with Ranta and hope for a shutout or a win where he only gives up a goal or two, I guess. But I'll be fairly light on Ranta just because I don't think it ends up being a game for Winnipeg with a lot of shots on net. Yeah, um, Arizona 1 is definitely interesting, and I think there's going to be a lot of ownership on uh, on Kelly Buck. Uh, he's been playing much better, and, and they are a big favorite here. So, you know, if, if you do have some exposure to that line, he doesn't have as great of a game as a lot of people are imagining. So, and he, he is the highest price goalie on the night at 8,400 on DraftKings. So, uh, it, it could be interesting there. Uh, but then again, not a ton of offensive output from Arizona in general. But that first line does pair, you know, very, very nicely with, with some others. Yeah, uh, especially the Barkov line. I think that's that's probably my most used combination of two lines in the <laughs> NHL this season is the Stepan line and the Barkov it. line. I believe it. They just uh, they always seem to fit together price wise perfectly, mm-hmm. and they're both underrated lines. So I'm sure I'll have some of that. But yeah, it's uh, it's not as good of a situation for Arizona's offense as it would have been previously. And I think this game could just be a lot lower scoring than people think, especially looking at that line movement. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so we've got a few games left here, just two games left. And I think the next one is probably my favorite spot to target for the entire slate. The Oilers are playing the Golden Knights at home. And I've kind of fallen into this trap a few times looking at the betting information for Golden Knights games. And I'll mention this here just because I don't I don't want to have to talk about it again. I don't, I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. The betting info for games in Vegas with a team that plays in Vegas are going to be, it's going to be skewed because most people that bet on hockey that are, that are standing in a sports book in Las Vegas will probably have some sort of action on the team that actually, that plays in Las Vegas. So you see a public bias towards the golden Knights on the betting information, but there's no reason why that would translate to DraftKings prices or DraftKings ownership. Because people in Nevada aren't more likely to pick the Golden Knights in their DraftKings lineups. They're just more likely to bet on the Golden Knights. So this is kind of true again where the public is more in favor of the Vegas team than you would think based on the matchup. 44%, 45% of the money line bets are actually on the Golden Knights. Which in a game with a team that's a huge underdog is rare. It just kind of makes sense because of where they play. So ignoring all of that. This is not a good hockey team. They're on the road. They've played fairly well in terms of wins and losses, but it's an expansion team that just isn't very good. So the McDavid line at home against these guys, uh, this is just, it's a really, really good matchup. And the prices have been suppressed a little bit. Maroon's gone up a little, but McDavid has cost over 8,000 in points this year. He's only at 7,900. Dreisaitl is pretty stagnant at 7,200. So it's really not that expensive of a stack, and it's a really strong matchup. Yeah, one that the the correlation you just mentioned with the uh, the Vegas Knights fans influencing the movement there is super interesting. That's the first time I've ever heard that. 
Um, but two, Maroon is is on the power play one, and all three of them are um, all three of them are, are, are playing on, on that together. Which sometimes isn't the case. Sometimes they put Lucic there. Um, Three point four six is the team over, you know, and and, and they're a minus one eight favorite. So uh, that that's really high for Edmonton. Now, keep in mind, Edmonton has scored the least amount of goals in the league, so we we are expecting some uh, regression in terms of going back to the mean and, and where we're projected and how they were projected to be, you know, a Stanley Cup favorite. Uh, but, you know, we, we have seen a, a ton of their uh, production coming from the first line, but their second line has also been been playing pretty well. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, Lucic, and I'm going to go uh, Jesse, uh, <laughs> Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, young young kid who they initially thought was going to be playing on the McDavid line, you know, to start this year. Um, they're very, very cheap line, so... You know, kind of looking at this right now, I'm kind of getting, if I do go with that second line and, and they do score a goal and they're all on the power play too, if, if I pair that with like a Dallas one, that's that's some super high upside. Um, and you're also getting that exposure to that team over for the Oilers. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it's just Vegas kind of screaming at you. Uh, this is an Oilers bounce back spot. So I, I will be on them all a lot here as well. Yeah, so a couple points on what you said that I definitely agree with. The second line for Edmonton, and I won't try pronouncing that name again because I'll, I'll just give you credit for getting it right. We'll just assume that. Uh, that's probably my favorite second line slightly ahead of Nashville just because there's a lot of expected output for Edmonton in this game. It's a really good matchup, and I think the prices there are a bit cheaper than that Predator second line. Just scrolling to find that again. Uh, it's It seems to be about the same. So I don't know. I have them, I guess, in the same category of good second lines to plug in expensive stacks, but... The thing on Edmonton being the lowest scoring team in the league this year and that regressing to the mean, the Oilers are actually second in the NHL in shot attempts per 60 minutes. So they're going to have to score more goals. And it's not like you're looking at a low talent group that doesn't put the puck in the net. They have Connor McDavid, who's arguably the best scorer in the NHL, or at least the best point creator in the NHL. And Dreisaitl is really good too. So it's not like this is a team that doesn't have talent where they're just taking bad shots from faraway distances and making easy saves for the opposing goalie. It's a very talented group of players that have been getting a lot of shots on net and they're just not scoring. So last game that they played was another example of this where they went into Washington, outshot the Caps, I think it was 30-19, to 19, and Holpe just made a lot of really good saves and the Oilers lost. They uh, they lost 2-1, to one, so they only scored one goal, and I, I don't even think it was the McDavid line. So after that game where they actually played well and just didn't score, uh, I think that's a good sign they're playing well, that they could dominate the Caps on the road like that. And also their ownership will probably be a little lower just because they're not coming into this game on any kind of hot streak or anything. They're coming off a game where the top line did nothing. So that, that boosts them for me a little bit too, that they probably won't be the highest owned team. They'll be up there for sure just because of the, the uh, betting information, the Vegas line that people like to look at. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're going to have some crazy high ownership. I'd say that there's going to be at least two or three lines that are higher owned than the McDavid line. Uh, so, yeah, the top two from both sides here, I think, are very interesting. And then Cam Talbot, too, at 7,400. We haven't really mentioned goalies yet, but he's a lot cheaper than the goalies from the other teams that we like. And the game we talked about the most, the Panthers-Stars game, it's not like you really want to roster a goalie from either side there. There's a lot of expected output on both sides. Uh, So what do you think about Cam Talbot? It kind of feels like he'll be the goalie that we're both looking at the most here. Yeah, I had Cam Talbot in my my first team that I plugged in. Um, 
I haven't seen anyone else I'm completely in, in love with in terms of in the net. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely been safe, and he's been playing really well, too. He's actually he's actually the reason that they've been in a lot of these games, and a lot of the games they've lost are all one-goal games. So, you know, the, the shots aren't going in. The, game, the games are all being played really tight. I'd be really surprised if we don't see multiple goal production from, from uh, the Oilers' one uh, with potential maybe empty net opportunity, too. So, you know, extreme, extreme upside here. I do think this is is Vegas kind of shouting at us that that this is the spot. Yeah, and the Oilers play a pretty up-tempo game too. So even if they win, the Golden Knights will probably still have some shots on net. It's not like they're gonna the Oilers are gonna win four nothing and the Golden Knights are gonna have thirteen shots on goal. I mean, we can expect Talbot to have to make some saves, and there's a really good chance for a win here with that Vegas line at minus one eighty. So. I don't know if I'll end up using too many other goalies here. I think Talbot could be the goalie that makes it into well over half of my lineups. I know you're more of a single entry guy, so easier for you. You can just say, I'm using Talbot and that's my guy. Uh, but we're definitely on the same page here. Yeah, and, and, and Quick's in a good spot too. And it's the last game, I'm pretty sure it's the last game of the night that we yep. haven't talked about. Um, quick uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks, uh, 2.38 team total. Um Quick's in a decent spot. Um, I, I will say uh, that the people will probably be on the, the Horvat line just because of you know the price. They're all the first line. They play upwards of fifteen to twenty minutes a game, and and uh, they've they've been producing a lot of goals. So um, in terms of the spot here for and, and not to just switch it up um, uh, at the games real quick, but in no, terms no, move of on. Yeah, let's, the, that's our last game. Let's get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's so funny. Funny story. Let. Last year, I, uh, I I was in a really high high dollar tournament. I think Sheffley went off, and um, I had I had Jonathan Quick with uh, LA one. So I actually drove to the game in LA, bought a ticket, and I watched uh, Bayerchi, Horvat, and um, Erickson completely destroy the Kings and Jonathan Quick. And I they lost like they lost like four or five to one. And not that that means anything, but I, I have watched that line come into the Staples Center and kind of destroy the Kings. And that was when, when the Kings were, you know, a much slower paced team. So I'm not going to put, I'm, I will have some exposure to, to Vancouver one based on that, but go with it. If you want to go with it, uh, you know what? Probably not the, the most, um, probably doesn't make the most sense on, on uh, in terms of like a, a Vegas spread, but um, I, you know, I, I've, I've seen it before and I've seen them do well before. So I, I'm going to have some exposure just to keep, keep myself uh, to, to sleep at night tonight to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, a uh, few things on the Vegas line here. Oh, and I do agree with you. I do like the Horvat line. Uh, there is some sharp money here on the Canucks, but it seems to be more of an anti-Kings scoring sentiment. So the line has moved from plus 170 for Vancouver to plus 155. Very against the public. So that's a lot of reverse line movement with only 18% of people actually betting on the Canucks. But the total has dropped from 5.5 almost all the way down to 5 uh, looking at it now, it's 5.5 with the under at minus 140, where it started at minus 110. Uh, so the Sharks are on the under and on Vancouver. I think that definitely has me off of LA. And I mentioned low event teams earlier, I think a couple times. The Canucks are kind of the epitome of that. They play a pretty conservative style. They don't have a ton of shot attempts on either side in their games. But the one line for them that does get a lot of chances and score a lot of goals is that Horvat. Uh, Bershi and Besser line, they've been in winning lineups probably more than any other line in the NHL this year. They always find their way into winning lineups, and I guess it's because they are a first line with a lot of talent, and they only cost in the 4,000s. 
So if we're looking for a cheap line to pair with, let's say, the Panthers or the Oilers or the Stars, this is as good of a spot as any of those second lines we mentioned because they're they're actually cheaper. And even though it's a tough matchup in LA against Quick, the expected output for guys this good is probably still even higher than Nashville 2 or Edmonton 2. Yep. No, I, to- I, I totally agree. And, and that line has been, I think that's a very safe call. And, you know, that line in terms of seeing them at the top has been consistently there the first quarter of the year. It's, it's by, no, uh, by no mistake. So um, I, I do expect uh, at least a goal output from them in some way, shape, or form. So let's, I guess let's summarize quickly at the end here. I think we've mentioned probably six, maybe seven lines that I'm really strongly considering. For expensive lines, it's Edmonton 1, Dallas 1, Florida 1. And for cheap lines, it's Nashville 2, Edmonton 2, and Vancouver 1. Is there any other one that I'm forgetting here, or is that was that really the gist of it? I think I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And, and, and you know, I think the... Outcome of tonight will depend on on the, the Jets and Coyotes, and and uh, you know will all the ownership and will, will those goals, if if the goals do come, come from one of the lines or spread out, or um, that, that's just that's just what I'm thinking tonight. But um, I do think the Connor McDavid line has has the highest upside. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that Coyotes game again before we wrap this up because with Cam Talbot being my favorite goalie. I'll probably have a ton of him, but I don't think I'll have him in literally every lineup. And I do think Antti Ranta is a good way to combat that Jets ownership as your secondary choice in net. If Ronta has a really good game and the Coyotes win a low-scoring game, that's uh, obviously very good for Ronta's point production, and it's also a way to capitalize on where most of the field will seem to be going on that Shifley and Wheeler line. So I won't use a ton of Ronta because it's risky, and Talbot is just only slightly more expensive and in a way better spot, but Ronta too, I think, is worth considering in that. Yeah, I agree. And, and in terms of who I'm thinking of pairing, whether it's my single or you know double entry tournaments, and the McDavid line is, is that Nashville two line with Turris there. Um, little narrative streak. I think it's his first home game, so maybe maybe he puts one in. Yeah, that would that would be nice. Uh, right, I forgot about that. He hasn't actually played a game in Nashville yet. That trade was two weeks ago, but mm-hmm. they uh, yeah they've been on the road. So hopefully Turris can do well, and especially hope the Oilers can do well. Yep, <laughs> let's do it. I'm all in. Good luck tonight, guys. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back tomorrow with basketball.